Hello, and this is the third episode of podcast titled MD-PhD, The Sound of Medicine and Information. So in episode one, we've read a paper, and we read the entire paper. Episode two, um, I've read that paper ahead of time and broke it down into easier pieces and delivered it to you. Um, and this is the episode three. I want to do what I did in the episode two. Um, I've read this paper titled Variation in the human immune system is largely driven by non-heritable influences, uh, published in Cell in um, 2014. And the lead author's name is Peter Brodin and Vladimir Zhozhik. And the last author is Mark M. Davis. So in episode 1-2, we've read the paper from Mark Davis. And this is episode 3. We're going to read the paper again from Mark Davis, one of the leading figures in human immunology. Okay, so I've read the paper again ahead of time and I broke it down. I highlighted some pieces and I want to just tell you those highlights. So let's get into it. It's 1 a.m. And yesterday I wanted to start the podcast because I was reading paper and I want to deliver this complicated paper in an easy way to the world. And I'm glad that I used Anchor.fm because I went to their website, made an account, made a recording and boom, boom, bam, I have my first podcast. And tonight I finished my second podcast with Anchor. So if you want to tell the world something that you're passionate about, download the free Anchor app or go to the anchor.fm to get started. Okay, so let's get started looking at this paper. Um, in summary, the paper asked the question, um, what's the contribution of environment to your immune system and what's the contribution of genetics to your immune system? Basically, nurture versus nature uh, question for not your height, not your weight, not for your IQ, but for your immune system. And the paper answered the question using the blood from uh, many, many, many twin pairs. Um, they have people age 8 to age 82 in this cohort of many, many, many twins. And they draw blood from them and they um, measure many things in their blood. Um, let's be more specific. They look at, let's see. 51 serum cytokines, 95 different immune subsets, and overall they look at 204 different stuff in uh, a person's blood. And the paper concludes that 77% of these measured immune things are dominated and 58% almost completely dominated by non-heritable influences. So what they're saying is immune system is mostly um, how they react and all these things. They're driven by your environment. That's pretty cool. Um, Now we know something that we didn't know before. And let's look into uh, a little bit more detail. Let's see what I highlighted here. 
Oh, yeah. And they also um, looked at the response to influenza vaccination in twins. So they basically drew blood from some twins and gave them influenza vaccine that they were going to get anyways, I guess. And then they followed up with these people, drew their blood again later after the vaccine, uh, supposedly have done their magic and created immune um, response. And they looked at before vaccine, after vaccine, blood measured the, I guess, some stuff. And these stuff, I guess, are responsible for that vaccine response. And it looks like the how a person responds to vaccine or not is largely function of, again, non-heritable factors. Huh. And lastly, they also looked at their data and figured out that, oh, wow, we have some uh, twins who have different uh, history of cytomegalovirus infection. So let's say you have a pair, two people in a twin, uh, in, in, in a twin pair, and person one got cytomegalovirus infection, person two didn't. And because of that difference, if you have enough of twins with this difference, you can figure out uh, what happens uh, to this infection. And they figured out that uh, more than half of everything that they measured, a bunch of stuff that I mentioned before, are actually going to be different between the uh, individuals of a twin pair. So in other words, yes, twins have... By the way, sorry about this. The cytomegalovirus, this this part is all uh, studied in monozygotic twins. So basically monozygotic twins have exact same DNA. So their genetics is exactly the same, 100%. That's because they come from the exact same sperm as same egg. So one sperm, one egg create one zygote. Magically, this zygote splits into two and you end up having identical twins. So that's monozygotic twins. Now, they have exact same DNA, but if you have two people and they have the exact same DNA but different history of cytomegalovirus infection, then if the difference is huge, then you can say, okay, wow, then cytomegalovirus infection did make these exactly same identical genomic products uh, have different immune response. So you can say, wow, then immune response is somehow uh, you know, influenced by cytomegalovirus. I'm sure it is, but the question is how much, right? And this paper looked into that, and it looks like if you look at uh, twins with difference in cytomegalovirus infection, more than half of all the stuff measured are affected. And the paper concludes that these results highlight the largely reactive and adaptive nature of the immune system in healthy individuals. Okay, so just quick summary of the summary of the paper. They looked at a bunch of twins, asked the question, nature versus nurture, What's the deal with immune system? And they measured a bunch of stuff from blood of these um, healthy twins, and they conclude that most differences are environmental. Immune system makeup is kind of mostly environmentally driven. And they specifically go one step deeper for immune influenza vaccine by looking at before vaccination, after vaccination, um, and they see, okay, there is a difference, and this difference, again, is environmental. And for another uh, dive, they go into cytomegalovirus infection status of the monozygotic twins, 
same genomic makeup again, but the different history of infection, and that difference in infection results in difference in the parameters measured. So the paper concludes overall that the immune system is largely adaptive and changing and how a person's immune system functions is largely a function of non-heritable factors. Okay, so now let's uh, go over some of the stuff that I highlighted. So I highlighted this sentence that talks about exact things that they've um, looked at. They looked at 204 different parameters, including cell population, frequency, cytokine response, and serum proteins, 51 um, serum cytokines, chemokines, growth factors, 95 different immune cell subsets, and also the response to uh, cytokine stimulation. So they looked at various things in the blood. I think that's um, a lot of work. And uh, they've also uh, talked about how they try to minimize the difference in sampling and all these things because that's key, you know, because if you have this kind of twin data, you want to ideally, right, you want to draw the blood at the same time from the same arm of the same, uh, you know, from the people in a twin pair at the same place. You want to keep all that things the same, but of course that's not going to happen. And the paper talks about how they try to... Uh, uh, fix that uh, variability, but you will never know how good this kind of fix is, but they at least tried. Also, they know that depending how you do this kind of experiment, measurements of all these immune stuff, there will be a technical uh, variations. So what the paper did was they have this one, I guess, blood aliquot, and from, you know, you have one, let's say, a, 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 a tube of blood, and Suppose this whole paper analysis experiment, all these data generation took place over one year. Then they, you know, every week, every two weeks, every three weeks, as they do this kind of assaying of the data from new twins, they also assay that same uh, uh, tube. So this, they do this, like they did this over 17 times because they wanted to figure out like how different uh, assays can be. So with this assaying of the exact same biological specimen over, over and over again, they get to figure out uh, technical variation. And later when they uh, get real variation of the twins, they can subtract this technical variation and, you know, correct, at least try to correct some of these uh, variations between the data. Um, and then the paper talks about figure one, which is basically... A very simple figure tells you, uh, it shows you uh, a table, right? X-axis is normalized heritable influence score from zero to one. Things between zero, things between zero and zero point two are grayed out a little bit, and that's because this score measures how much genetics influences a phenotype, and each row, y-axis, is a feature. For example, IL six. IL-4, um, you know, basophil amount, all these things. And for a feature, you get, you get to look up the influence of genetics to that feature. And everything below 0.2 is grayed up because uh, given that they've only looked at 204 samples and, you know, given the limitation of their data, it's difficult for them to conclude there is a genetic influence of, let's say, 0.1, for some feature. Their detection limit was 
And looking at this table, you can kind of quickly see that most of the the dots, basically intersection between the normalized heritable score and a feature is kind of low. Um, this goes with their conclusion that most of these immunological features, phenotypes, are mainly non-heritable and mainly environmental. And then I think this is kind of the core of their paper. They talk about how they estimate the heritability versus non-heritability. How do they like score this zero to one thing, right? The score of genetics. Well, they uh, do that with monozygotic and dizygotic uh, data. So basically, um, let me try to explain this. So the idea is this, for monozygotic twins, right? They have exact the same DNA. And they also have, the, you assume that they have the exact same environment because they live in the same family and all that. You assume that. And for dizygotic twins, you can assume that they live in the exact same environment. So environment between monozygotic twins, same. Environment between dizygotic twins, same. The DNA of monozygotic twins, same. But the DNA of the dizygotic twin, not the same. The distance, the similarity between the members of dizygotic twins is just like the similarity between a regular sibling. Because monozygotic twin, right? One sperm, one egg, make one zygote. Magically, this zygote splits into two. You end up with two identical babies. For dizygotic twin, it's two egg being, um, um, you know, two eggs and two sperm. So it's almost like two pregnancies happening at the same time in a mother. So it's two eggs, two sperms. And it's like, it's independent, two separate um, zygotes, two separate uh, fertilization happening at the same time, ending up as dizygotic twins. So that's why the, the similarity between the, the non-identical twins, right? It's just like any other sibling. It's just that they have same age and all that. So they have, so dizygotic twins have same environment. They grew up in the same family and all that stuff. You assume that. And you know that genetic difference is going to be 25%, just like a regular sibling. And now you can do calculation of monozygotic twins influenced by their DNA. And you can do a calculation of dizygotic twins influence by their DNA. Now, suppose the, the genetic influence of monozygotic twin was, let's say, 100. And dizygotic twin genetic influence was supposedly, let's say, 50. Then the difference between these two scores is 50, right? And that 50 can be purely attributed with all the assumptions that I mentioned to the genetic difference between uh, to the genetic difference because the only difference between monozygotic twins and dizygotic twins is with this simplified assumption the extra similarity of DNA. So with this kind of uh, thinking, um, you can come come up with a score of uh, uh, genetic heritability. And more specifically, there's this model called ACE model. And basically what they, what it is is suppose like um, the difference between, uh, um, let's say two people, give me a name, Co Coke and Pepsi, you know, monozygotic twin 
one person named Coke, one pe person named Pepsi. They have exact same DNA. And you measure their, let's say, NK cell uh, score, score of natural killer cell function. And suppose you measure that and you then come up with some, the, the, the variance, the, the difference between Pepsi and Coke. There is a difference and you want to explain that difference. So the, suppose the difference score was, let's say, 16, okay, random number. Now you have to kind of go deeper and assume and calculate the influence of DNA to that 16 score, the influence of environment that's, been, that's shared between Coke and Pepsi to the environment score, and also the difference um, of uh, unique uh, personal experiences or non-shared environmental things to that score of 16. Now you can set up with set up a simple equation, right? 16 equals uh, A, which stands for uh, well, it doesn't stand for anything, but the original paper that made this model uses the letter A to um, capture the information about genomic uh, influence. And uh, next letter is C, and C captures uh, C stands for common, and it tries to capture the common environmental differences between the Coke and Pepsi, that's C. And then the third letter is E. And E uh, stands for environment and it captures the uh, unique environmental differences to the, uh, the score of 16. So now you have 16 equals A plus C plus E. Now, suppose you have, that's just 16 equals A plus C plus E, right? You can't solve that <laughs> because you have a, three unknown variables and one known variable. And now I suppose you have this NK score for another twin pair, another twin pair, another twin pair, another, you have for many, 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 many twin pairs, you have many, many of these equations set up, right? But still, um, you can't solve these yet, but you have a lot of data now. Okay, next, you assume, you use your basic you know, molecular biology knowledge to make kind of an assumption about the what might explain uh, a score like 16 between monozygotic twins. You, you think like, okay, they have the exact same DNA, so DNA difference should not explain that difference. Okay, then A, sh A should be low. Mm -hmm. What about uh, C? Well, they live in the exact same house family, so the C's influence is also going to be low, right? Yes, that's, that's another assumption that you make for monozygotic twin and dizygotic twin, which is they have the exact same co uh, shared common environment within a pair. And then you look at, okay, then the difference must come from E. Ah, and then you basically use this molecular biology knowledge to create this um, kind of a idealized equation, which goes something like score, let's say S, equals 1a plus uh, sorry 0a plus 0c plus 1e so you just purely attribute the difference of the score of s in the earlier example which was 16 to e so you say okay e explains the difference of six, uh, 16 and now you do the exact same thing set up for the dizygotic twins suppose you have a, again let's say two uh, people in a dizygotic twin pair Mario and Maria, right? One male, one female. That happens in dizygotic twins. And you now set up an equation. Okay, the difference was, let's say, 24, uh, which equals, again, A plus C plus E. A for the DNA difference, 
C for the common environmental difference, E for the um, uh, private environmental difference. And then you set up the equation and say, okay, C's must be the same, they live in the same family and all that. E is gonna be different, just like monozygotic twin, because each Mario and Maria have unique um, environmental factors that affect the final phenotype. And A in monozygotic twin was the same because they have exact same DNA, but for the dizygotic twin, it's not gonna be exactly the same. It's only 25% same. So use these numbers, you can set up again another idealized equation for dizygotic twin, which goes something like S equals one fourth A plus um, zero C plus one um, E, something like that. And then you have these idealized equations. So for monozygotic twins and dizygotic twins, you got idealized equations. That's you know purely from molecular biology assumptions and just you know what you think is happening, given that monozygotic twins have exact same DNA, exact same environment, but different personal history. Dizygotic twins, 25% same DNA, exact same environmental shared history, but uh, different uh, unique uh, environmental personal history. And now you have idealized two equations and you got data. Then what you can do is you can fit the data to this idealized equation. It's basically a linear equation, just like you're solving y equals ax plus c, you know, that algebra slope finding, um, that thing that you did in high school. One second, my microphone came off. Okay, so basically just solve that. You have idealized equation where you assume the relationship of things are. Relationship between DNA, environment, common environment, private are, and you solve it and you come up with the coefficients for A and C and E. And those coefficients then is actually the influence of each of these factors to the final score. And then you normalize it basically, in this case, for this paper, they looked at normalized heritable influence score. So basically that's the score of genetic influence. So that's the, the, the A, the coefficient of A. Now you can do that coefficient divided by coefficient of a plus c plus e that's kind of the sum of the coefficients and then you normalize that to create a value between zero and one and that value is what they are using i think as the uh, normalized heritable influence score higher the value closer to one basically which means that um, a is like one that means a is one c is zero e is zero then the uh, the genetic influence is going to be one over one which is one if the genetic influence is, let's say, uh, if the coefficient of A is 0.5, then the you know inheritance influence of that is 0.5 and so forth. So that coefficient of A, given that A plus A is coefficient, C is coefficient, E is coefficient, sum up to one, gives you the um, influence of genetics to that trait. So they do that for so many, so many, so many immunological features and um, of course, they have biological replicates. They don't look at one. They don't just look at one twin pair in KCL to make a conclusion. They look at let's say, you know, hundred twin pairs. They measure hundred twin pairs NK cells, and then they use that to come up with their um, score for that feature. They average them right because you, you have to do that. Otherwise, your result is so dependent on one twin pair, and that twin pair may be very very unique, and you're making. Uh, uh, some kind of a generalized conclusion from 
one to impair two people. That's not good. So they look at many, many people. That's why they can fit the data and find coefficients. Anyways, so they do that. And again, they have a theorized, idealized relationship equation, a linear one, right? So phenotype score equals A plus C plus E. And then they have the data actually captures the difference between monozygotic twins. And then they fit the data to that basic equation, come up with the coefficients and conclude about the influence of A, C, or E. They do that for dizygotic twins. You have a different relationship because they have different um, real differences, like DNA is not 100% the same, 25% same, etc. And then they have the data, they fit the data, find the coefficients, and conclude about the, uh, the influence, of, um, uh, influence of the features in, uh, in dizygotic twins. And then they do that for many, 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 many uh, samples to create the average score for these features' genetic influence. Oof, that was pretty tiring, but hopefully you got a sense of how they come up with these scores. Basically, they do that to create these scores, which is the driver for all of their, you know, conclusions and everything. Without this score, this paper is dead. With this score, they can now uh, make tables, tell you and conclude that most of the immunological features are driven by non-heritable factors. I guess what happened was many, many scores, many, many coefficients of that, the A's coefficient, they were low, much, much low. That's why they concluded that, ah, the influence of genetics is low in human immunology. So that was the um, core of the paper, how they computed the score that captures the influence of genetics genomics, whatever you want to call it, to immune system. And uh, that analysis method is called uh, ACE modeling in twin analysis. And many people use this modeling um, to compare things in using twins. Um, and this paper is another one that used this model to look at immune system. Now let's go a little bit forward and let me tell you one other things I highlighted. There's another uh, important result section titled most cell populations, frequencies and serum proteins are dominated by non-heritable influences. So again, they go into detail about how, um, you know, a bunch of proteins they looked at, the difference also when they you know, computed the difference between twins and fit the ACE model, the influence of A was very little. So that's another uh, result indicating that the influence of the genetics is low. Um, and then they have this one block to talk about that there were things that had stronger heritable factors. Again, the A's influence in that ACE model was high. And these included things like native cells, CD27 positive cells, uh, central memory CD4 positive T cells, so forth. But for um, non-heritable things were dominant in almost every other um, things that they measured. And that's kind of interesting because some of the native things and some of the kind of the earlier responders, I guess, 
where they had a, a higher influence from the genetics. And uh, for adaptive immune system like T cells and B cells, again, uh, non-heritable factors were stronger. Um, they also looked at, again, 51 serum proteins. This included 24 cytokines, 10 chemokines, and 6 growth factors, and 3 other serum proteins. Again, heritable factor was minimal in um, describing the difference between the twin pairs. But there were, interestingly, heritable ones, like IL-12P40, and it turns out that IL-12B gene, uh, which contributed to the IL-12P40 protein, which had higher genetic uh, heritability, uh, having associated with immune-mediated diseases like uh, asthma and so forth. So we know that sometimes, we know there's inheritable heritable component to asthma, and this protein had a higher heritable score and this protein had to do with asthma. Um, I'm not an immunologist, or I don't know much about these diseases, but it looks like, uh, yes, genetics, DNA, all that, whatever you want to call it, the, the nature, let's call it the nature. Nature has a low influence in the immune system, but when it does have high influence, if you look at what the nature is influencing, these influenced things uh, turned out to be linked with uh, heritable diseases like uh, asthma. Um, but for other things, for many other things, I guess, ALL, IL-10 and others, the heritable influence was again low, which is the overall message of this paper. Overall, nature is not that influential for immune system, mostly nurture. And the next uh, section is titled homeostatic cytokine responses are largely heritable, whereas most other cell responses are highly non-heritable. Ah, so it turns out that um, homeostatic cytokine responses, um, these are the cytokine responses that maintain kind of the, the default human uh, um, state is largely heritable, but most other responses were not. And uh, they also kind of stimulated the cells from the blood with a bunch of compounds, and they looked at the response of response to these stimulations. So they not only counted things and looked for the difference between twins, but also how things respond to stimulations and all that. And uh, IL-2, IL-7, which are important homeostatic stuff because they uh, stimulate kind of the growth of the T cells. Uh, they induce that 5 phosphorylation in CD4 positive and CD8 positive T cells and etc. They were highly heritable. So this goes with the conclusion that there are heritable things and these things have a lot to do with maintaining basic homeostatic response to problems and that kind of kind of the default uh, kind of the basic default more archaic uh, immune response. I don't know if it's archaic, but I would, I would call it like uh, the default things, right? Like, will you activate cells or not? Not about how they react, but will you activate it or not? Is this uh, immune worthy or not? Some kind of basic stuff. Um, but for most other things, 
uh, I, it were again dominated mostly by non-heritable influences. And the next result section titled "Non-heritable influences are major factors determining human variation." It basically kind of summarizes the the finding and tell you, hey, there were things that were genetically heritable. These are things that control kind of the default immune response, kind of a kind of you know homeostatic ones, and also there were cases where heritability had a lot to do with things and. These things are linked to things like asthma, but in uh, majority of the cases, heritable influence, basically that coefficient for A, right? The influence of that A after they compute that heritable score, the fitting, were, were low. And what they do next is kind of interesting. They uh, wanted to ask another question, which is how does heritability impact response to vaccination? And then they basically look at the blood before vaccination, after vaccination, and they look at a bunch of stuff. They use the exact same method, and then they find that the most differences are not explained by genetics. So there's more environmental factors, I guess, that have to do with how people respond to vaccination. And they also found out that in their monozygotic twin population, they looked at basically exact same DNA. Um, it turns out that there were there were there were pairs. Basically, there were twins where one person had cytomegalovirus infection, but the other person did not. So this is interesting because you have A that's 100% similar, C 100% similar, but then that E, the E part that I mentioned earlier, that's the environmental influences private to individual of a twin is uh, different. And you know the difference in this case, that is at least cytomegalovirus infection. Now, by looking at the difference in their phenotype, cell population, all that cytokines and stuff, they get to conclude things like, okay, now what, so, so the, basically this setup isolates the variable, at least cytomegalovirus. You know that the difference between these two people is, you know, purely cytomegalovirus. And not purely, but kind of, you know the difference is going to be cytomegalovirus, not DNA, not shared environment, but cytomegalovirus at least. Then you look at the difference between their before and after, uh, sorry, the difference between their uh, immune profile, make a conclusion that, ah, this difference in cytomegalovirus is mainly responsible for the difference in this and this and that. And then when they did this analysis, it turns out there was huge difference between infected person and a non-infected person. And this suggests again that the uh, immune system is driven by environmental uh, things, for example, cytomegalovirus infection rather than genetics. Because if DNA, if the nature had more to do with uh, immune system, then then even if you're infected with cytomegaloviruses or not in the past, your difference should be kind of you know minor. But here the difference is a lot, which indicates that the uh, cytomegalovirus infection status has a lot to do with uh, somebody's immune system. Okay, now uh, there's another part that I think was the, the most in interesting part, in my opinion. And this looks at, okay, yes, okay, we talked a lot about how environment affects more immune system, there's less influence from the, 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 na the, the, the nature, more influence from the nurture, but is this always the case? It turns out the answer is no. So when it comes to younger twins, right? Younger twins, like 
uh, you know, age below, I don't know, I don't know the cutoff, but younger, for younger twins, there's more influence from genetics. So if you look at the youngest, the monozygotic twin pairs, they correlated a lot. But if you look at the oldest uh, groups of MZ, monozygotic twin pairs, the correlation was much lower. So more specifically, the correlation between the uh, Treg of the youngest twin pair was 0.78. That's pretty high. But the correlation of the Tregs of the oldest pair was 0.24. That's pretty low. And this shows you that the genetics does play a role when you're younger. But as you age, as your uh, environment changes, you get you know infected and all these things, the immune system adapts, changes, and reshapes itself to be uh, more and more different from your identical twin. And I think that is very, very interesting. Um, and then this concludes the paper. It goes into the discussion. It talks about everything that I just talked about and all that stuff. And, and uh, I guess that's it. But, oh, the discussion had an interesting part, which is this. There were some vaccinations, for example, against mumps, measles, rubia, uh, polio, tetanus, and all that stuff. And people have found in the past that these vaccinations, these studies, for example, the vaccinations and studies for these response of these vaccinations, they have to take place when the, the study subjects are young because they are for young people. The vaccinations are for young people. That's why when you make this kind of conclusion, we may overestimate the influence of genetics because as we talked about earlier, when people are younger, when even if they have exact same DNA, uh, Sorry, when people are younger, there's more DNA influence to the immune system. But when people are older, there's less DNA influence to the immune system. So, so uh, the paper cautions, cautions that we need to take that into account when looking at these studies with young children. And uh, there are also vaccinations that are given at birth, especially for these. We know, for example, like oral polio, oral polio vaccine, we know that the... Uh, uh, genetics have more to do with the response to the vaccine. Um, I, I really learned a lot when I learned this. This thing I, I resonates a lot with me, which is immune response have both genetic and environmental influences, mostly environment, according to this paper. But this, 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 uh, the ratio between genetics versus nature versus nurture. Is it more nature driven early on and nurture driven later on? I mean, it's common sense, but it's good to kind of uh, see these results reflect this uh, this common sense. And let's see what else is highlighted. Okay, ah, here. Um, increasing non-heritable influences on many variables with age suggests quite strongly that many, if not most, of these less heritable traits that we measure here in our mostly adult population may be much more heritable if measured in young children. Again, uh, children versus old people um, have different heritable scores, more heritable younger, less heritable older. And the uh, paper also talks about how there are some genetic predispositions to things and they are more pronounced in younger children, like asthma maybe. And later on, some of these diseases will go away. And maybe that's because your adaptive immune system is learning and getting better to uh, deal with these problems. That concludes this paper.
Okay, people, so we've read this paper titled Variation in the Human Immune System is largely driven by non-heritable influence published in Cell in 2014 by the lab of Mark Davis at Stanford University. And let's summarize this paper in one or two sentences. Basically, they ask the question, what is the uh, effect of nature, nurture to human immune system? And they answer this question by looking at many, many twins measuring their blood and um, computing the influence of genetics to these measured things like cell population, protein levels, etc. And then the paper concludes that most differences are dominated by non-heritable things. Basically, uh, human immune system is mostly nurtured. Um, however, there are things that have more influence from your nature and these have to do with things when you are younger, things that have to do with uh, more heritable disease like asthma and uh, things that have to do with homeostasis of immune system. So it's not completely nurture and there are things that are completely nurture, but there are also some things, not many, that are completely nature. And this paper uses the uh, ACE model to do this twin analysis. That's just a side note. And I think this paper is well done. And I think twin studies should be done more often. And uh, I think that many bioinformaticians can learn a lot from the ACE modeling because it's causal modeling, right? At the end of the day, basically, he's basically saying that, hey, here's a measure of things and here is what I think is happening in the data. Boom, let me put the model together. When I say model, they're not just, like, they didn't just learn something from their basic, you know, math, machine learning, statistics class and applying that and then coming up with a conclusion, but they're actually thinking, right? They're thinking that, okay, monozygotic twins, they have identical DNA. Okay, so the, I'm gonna put the weight of one for the difference between the DNA, the influence of the DNA. Do they have um, environmental similarity? Yeah, they'll probably live in the same house and everything. So let's put higher weight for the shared environmental factors. What about the personal environmental factors? Okay, that can be different. So you do this kind of thinking, right? Human thinking, the machines cannot do yet. And then you create the model and then you collect data and you fit your data to the model and then you come up with a conclusion and then you tie that conclusion to the question you're asking and you make a statement. And I think this is kind of a basics of data science, but it's also kind of lost art because people get too uh, hooked to um, algorithms and uh, how, you know the, the, the machine learning, all this buzzword and they, they, they just do it. They, they, they try to imitate the what, should, what they think should be done, but they forget why those things exist from the first place. But anyways, I like the paper. I hope you subscribe to this podcast and let me know what you think. And if you have some paper ideas or things that want me to go over, let me know. So thank you for tuning in and I will see you in the next episode.